Okay. The kingdom of God. We're doing a series based on the Lord's Prayer, not because we really want to talk about prayer, but talk about the things that Jesus told us to pray about, things that were really important to him. And each of the phrases of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. It's massive for Jesus that we could know the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. But it was massively important to Jesus, the whole teaching about the kingdom of God. He picked up from John the Baptist. He kept uh, talking about the kingdom all the time. So we want to talk a little bit about what the kingdom of God is and what the difference it makes to our lives in what we believe about the kingdom, how it affects our lives, and how it affects the way that we pray. So again, in the Lord's Prayer, which we read in, in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11, these simple words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and when we think about kingdom, just think, what, what, what comes to your mind when you think about kingdom? Just for a moment. There are three things that we're going to think about. One is kingdom as territory, place where a, a, a physical region. So a kingdom has borders and boundaries. So we know that there's been a lot of stuff in the UK about our territorial rights, you know, about redefining our boundaries, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol, because there's a kingdom of the United Kingdom, borders Ireland, all of that sort of stuff. Kingdom is territory. It's a physical place on earth. Second thing is a kingdom is a people group. It's a community. A kingdom that has no people in it isn't really a kingdom. And in the Old Testament, it was really important if you were going to flourish that your kingdom had people. A big population meant a powerful kingdom. And the third element of what a kingdom is is about the rule of the king. If you're a king, you want to king it. You want to get your rule done. You want to get your will done. And there have been times in the UK or in England where the king has only got his will done around London. And when you get up north where the Percy family are ruling Northumberland in the Middle Ages or whatever, you c it's, not, if, it's not really your kingdom, it's more their kingdom. Where a kingdom is a place where a, the rule of the monarch takes place, okay? So I'm going to talk about the first and the third, and, and Tibbs is going to talk about the middle one. So, for the Jewish people, when they thought about the kingdom of God, they thought about Israel. They thought about the territory that King David had. They thought that what God's plan was, was to restore that territory as the promised land for his people. Maybe that's still their thinking today, I don't know. But what God had in mind was that the whole world could be transformed to be the kingdom of God, of his Christ. Actually, that was God's plan from the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, as you probably know, Genesis 18, God calls someone and says, I'm going to make you a nation, but through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So that's um, the call of Abraham's life. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. Because God's plan... God the Creator wasn't just to have one nation that knew him and expressed him. It was for all the nations of the world to know him. It was taking the Jewish people to be the messengers of God, to be the 
as the ambassadors of the kingdom, but to invite the rest of the nations to belong. And the whole of the Old Testament tracks through that, and you get verses like in Isaiah 2, verse 2. In the last days, all the nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord. And when, when Jesus comes on planet Earth, he comes as someone who is going to be through whom all the nations will be blessed. And though Jesus confined himself in his ministry to the lost sheep of Israel, he left behind him a whole community of people whose challenge was to go to all the nations of the world, to make disciples of all nations. And that, that's, the heart, that's the thing. And actually, in Isaiah 49, there's a little prophecy where it's looking forward to Jesus because it's a prophecy about the Messiah that's going to come. And the passage says this, Is it too small a thing to restore the tribes of, of Jacob? I will make you, the Messiah, a light to the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So God has an agenda for every nation. The challenge for me is, do we have an agenda for every nation? And actually, when we think about global mission, do we feel like that's a bit colonial? That's a bit paternalistic? That's about us kind of offering our way or imposing our way on people who've got perfectly good lifestyles all of their own and don't want all the dis disruption of, 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 of having to face the challenge of the claims of Christianity. I don't know if, if, you, if you feel like that at some level. And, and I, I was just talking to Claire, and she was describing um, uh, the sermon they had this morning at Love Bristol, where the person who's preaching, who's actually, well, I think his wife might be here tonight lurking there, um, he was saying, as a missionary, we've done it wrong. We have been colonial in our mindset. Rather than being witnesses to a greater kingdom, we've kind of imposed something that looks more like our culture rather than the culture of the kingdom of God. But I just want to put it out to you. We've got global partners here tonight coming from Peru. We've got um, Joe going on mission we have an active sense that we're a mission people, not just for Bristol, but for the whole world. Why? Because God loves the world and wants people to know him. And I think it needs to be a challenge to our thinking and our prayers about what we feel about the kingdom coming. For us, when we pray, your kingdom come, do we think, Lord, your kingdom come and let your kingdom come to North Korea and China? and the Islamic world. And what does it mean for us to bring the kingdom that doesn't alienate people from their culture? Someone that I know a little bit, a guy called Carl Madiris, had a massive um, heart for the Islamic world, but felt, how can I call people to be Muslim followers of Jesus? You can follow Jesus without leaving behind your cultural identity. I think we've got to think about mission and the world in different ways. But God has not taken his foot off that pedal of his agenda that all the nations of the world will be blessed, that every man, woman, and child on the planet Earth can know that they have a Father in heaven who looks like the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given us the responsibility to be mission-minded people. So that's my first challenge to you. If we're going to pray your kingdom come on Earth as it is heaven, we've got to think... How then are the kingdoms of this world going to become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ?
and he will reign forever because that is the agenda of God. And on that note, I'm going to hand over to Tibbs. That was quite good, wasn't it? That was quite quick. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> oh, it's warm in here. <laughs> so if we haven't yet met yet my if we haven't met yet, my name is Tibbs, and I'm a little bit nervous, but I really shouldn't be, uh, because you're all a lovely lot. Um, and yeah, I've been an apprentice uh, to Mr. Dave Mitchell himself, actually, for the past year, if you didn't know. Uh, and so he's been uh, teaching me uh, lots of very important things, like um, an adoration of cheese. Um, he's been teaching me how to occasionally forget that I've left my glasses on my head. Um, and he's been teaching me how to hopefully preach. So <laughs> this should hopefully go okay. Kingdom. A kingdom needs a people. A kingdom needs people in the same way that territory needs inhabiting, right? Um, we are called as a people of God, as a people of God's kingdom, uh, to follow him and to demonstrate what that kingdom looks like here on earth. Uh, in the book of Genesis, right at the start of the Bible, it says in chapter 28, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your number until you become a community of peoples. So it's, it's not just a mandated thing, it's actually something that God blesses as well. So what is kingdom community? How do we recognize it and how do we become it as a people? Uh, well, of course, I have three suggestions because, as I said, Dave has taught me well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm just going to kind of whiz through the first two because I really want to land on the third one. So first and foremost, a kingdom community is generous at heart. Um, we're called to be generous, sacrificially generous to the people around us. In Acts chapter 4, it says that all believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any, had, any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them um, that there were no needy persons among them. Isn't that amazing? In fact, the whole, the whole story of Acts is amazing. If you haven't read it, highly recommend. Go read it now. Not right now, but like after church. Um, it's a real roller coaster, though. There's a lot that happens. But this thread that's weaved throughout the whole thing is this thread of community. At the heart of the story of Acts is community. Every page, we see believers that are coming together to pray for one another, to petition for each other, to feed, clothe each other, to help people in need, to give everything that they have for the furtherment of the church and God's kingdom. So the apostles, they actually, in all that they did, they really made it out as far as they did, spreading the gospel, bringing God's word to people, largely due to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and also from the support and the encouragement, the practicalities that came from their fellow believers. So that's number one. Kingdom community is generous and sacrificially generous at heart. <clears throat> number two. Kingdom community is attractional. It grows. Um, I'm actually not going to say too much about that one because just like looking out at most of you now, you kind of know what it means to be an attractive people. Am I right? There we go. Oh, dear. Honestly, it is hot in here, isn't it? Yeah. Woo. Uh, but I'm going to read this one. Um, I'm going to read to you this one quote from a guy called Rick Warren, uh, who's this renowned American pastor. And he has this to say about church growth and being an attractional, mature, growing church. He says that maturity can be defined quite literally as a child becoming an adult. 
Uh, that growth is defined by puberty, which is the development of the biological ability to reproduce. Everyone here's had the talk, right? I don't, okay, good. So maturity is, by definition, the process of becoming able to create more, to grow and to reproduce. So therefore, a mature church should be reproducing in some way, shape, or form. So, to be a mature kingdom church, we should be growing, and in order to grow, we need to be attractional. But you're all most of the way there, so. Number three, a kingdom community is faithful. So, this is the one I wanted to really speak on with you guys, because it's the one maybe a bit closest to my heart. Uh, if we go back to what we were talking about in the story of Acts earlier, the initial outworking of Christ's commission, that is what the book of Acts is. It demonstrates to us what it really looks like to act out God's kingdom. We often kind of look back on those early church days and we really exalt them. We say, oh wow, wasn't the church incredible, growing and in this exponential rate that was just unprecedented. There was nothing like it before. But it is also worth remembering that most of the apostles in the early church, in fact, all but one, didn't make it out alive. There were thousands upon thousands of early church believers who were killed for what they believe. And there were tens of thousands more that were experiencing trauma and loss and grief, poverty, illness, injury, and betrayal. So pain really just defined a lot of the early church experience. And yet, it continued to grow rapidly um, as they obeyed the commission that Christ gave them to make disciples of all nations. So why was it growing? Well, I would say, number one, that it was the Holy Spirit living, moving, working, breathing through, number two, a growing and faithful community. The thing about community, when community is done right, it makes us better people, better friends, better sharers, better spouses, sons, daughters, givers, workers, supporters, anything, it makes us better because we learn these, these rhythms, these habits of how to laugh with other people, how to cry with other people, how to prefer other people over ourselves, how to both fight and reconcile with others, how to protect others and love others sacrificially, just as Christ loved us. A fair weather community, it will not and cannot survive. A community like the one that we see in Acts, and indeed throughout the whole of the New Testament, is a community that we as a church are called to be. In fact, we have to be that kind of community, because we've got to love through thick and thin. That is what makes a kingdom community. Faithful community should stick with you on the roller coaster, praying for you in your lowest lows and celebrating with you in your highest highs. So my question for you guys, after Dave's question, is how do we be a more faithful, more committed community to the people that God has placed around us? How do we live um, as a kingdom-oriented community? How do we try to be generous, sacrificial, attractional? How do we try to be faithful to, God, to the people that God has placed around us? So, I'm just going to finish by reading actually this bit um, again from Genesis 28 later on in the chapter where it says, your descendants will be like dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all people, all people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So let's be a people that bless the earth 
that bless the people around us, whether they're in Hong Kong or Clifton. <laughs> Let's be a people that choose to be God's hands and feet in practical ways and love them sacrificially, generously, attractionally, and faithfully. I'm going to hand over to Dave. Thank you, Tibbs. Can I spot a Grace Ford in the building? There she is. Grace is getting baptized next Sunday. It's going to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Victoria Park Baptist Church in South Bristol. If you want to go along and witness that, it's great. Thank you so much for taking that step. And thank you, Grace, for being a great kingdom young woman, disciple, community member. God bless you on your baptism. Okay, the third thing. Oh, got some great notes from Tibbs here. Um, kingdom is rule. You see, that verse that we read from Matthew's Gospel, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom is kingdom when your will is being done. And one of the big challenges for people of faith or no faith or agnostic is, well, the stuff that happens, is it God's will or not? And for many people who are disappointed with God, it's because they say, God, if, that, if you're really God, if you're really good, how could you let that happen? And Jesus seems to say that the, the, the creation, the, the world that we live in, is a world where there is another power, a power of evil, a power of darkness, that is opposed to God's will, and that's Satan. And also that human beings themselves have got their own will and want to do their own will. But as Jesus comes, he comes as somebody who wants to do the will of God, who wants to be, if you like, the perfect subject of the perfect king. And when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the implication surely has to be that God's will is not always being done. And so we, we can't look at the world and think, okay, that's on God that that's happening. It's, it's a bit of a revelation that was a surprise to people who had a fatalistic view that everything that happens must be God's will. Jesus is saying that no, not everything that happens is God's will. In fact, God's will is to do good. Jesus comes across a blind man in John chapter 9. You can read that story. And, and people, the disciples with him say, well, who sins? This, this, this man or his parents that was born blind? And Jesus said, no, 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 this happened. But so that God's will could be done, what is day we must do the will of him who sent me. And Jesus heals the man, implying that it's not God's will that the man should be blind, but it is God's will that he should be healed. In other words, God's kingdom displaces something that's wrong with the world. God's kingdom comes and corrects something in the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of heaven breaks in, and the kingdom of, of this earth is transformed by the kingdom of heaven. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying that the kingdom of heaven will displace all the other kingdoms. There's a verse in, in Matthew 12, verse 28. Jesus says this, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying there's another kingdom but I've come that that kingdom could be driven back, defeated. And you can have the freedom to live in this new kingdom. And in fact, that invitation 
is not just to be in a territory. Right, you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, all move to Israel. Not just to be a people that are numerous and a community, but people who surrender themselves to the will of God. And I think God's will being done has two dimensions to it. First of all, it has the dimension of the work of the Holy Spirit. And it seems to me that the Bible narrative has from the very beginning the Holy Spirit making sure that God's will is done. That almost as, as if you like God, when we think about the Trinity, maybe the managing director is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is there brooding over creation. And, and as God speaks, maybe the Spirit is involved in forming creation. And in the history of salvation, in the history of the people of God, the people who get to, to lead the people and get God's will done are people upon whom the Spirit rests. They're the prophets and the judges. They're the kings. They're the priests. It's those people that have an encounter of the Holy Spirit that enables them to get God's will done with the people of Israel. And when Jesus comes, the Spirit of God rests upon him without limit, fully. And when he's baptized, the Spirit of God comes upon Jesus. And now we've got the perfect subject filled with the Spirit, proclaiming the kingdom and inviting the people of the world to be part of it. Creating a community that's going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's this Jesus through whom the Holy Spirit is acting. So Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He's on me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom from captives, recovery of sight for the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is doing kingdom work in the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, if the kingdom of God is going to come, we're invited to be men and women who are so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God flows through us and God uses us to get God's will done on earth. And linked with that, if that's going to happen, we are people of surrendered will ourselves. So we are saying to God, personally and individually, not my will be done, but your will be done. And the perfect one, Jesus Christ, the perfect subject of the kingdom, wrestled with his destiny in the Garden of Gethsemane, realizing the implications so profoundly of the cross of crucifixion, not just the physical torment of that, but the bearing the sin of the world, facing the malice of the powers of darkness, as descending into hell, before being raised on the third day, being separated from the Father that the God had torn asunder. All of that Jesus wrestled with and said, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And if we're going to be praying, your kingdom come on earth, as it is in heaven, if we're going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, then we're having to say, like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. Here's a verse from um, 1 John. It says this in 1 John 2, 17. The world and its desires are passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And, and, and Jesus, of course, is the first fruits of that. The eternal resurrected son. 
but we're invited to be like him. And as we surrender our wills to him, to know that also the reward of that is that we share too in his resurrection life and we too get to live forever. And that takes the kingdom to the next level because the kingdom that we're seeing to, to see break into the world one day will be fully realized and all the earth will be full of the glory of God and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will be united with him around the, the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And God will be in our midst and we will be his people forever. And so the direction of history is all going towards fulfillment of the kingdom of God coming fully on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, though, we don't yet see it fully. Our job is to live for that kingdom as forerunners of it, as ambassadors of it, as signposts of it, and prayers of it. So just to cap and, and sum this up then, we're people who are meant to be taking the good news that men and women can know God, be forgiven, to be set free from the powers of evil that are too strong for them, can have life transformation, and we want that good news to go to every nation. How are we going to do that without imposing our Western culture on people? How are we going to do that in a way that's sacrificial and servant-hearted, not power-driven? We've got to work that out, but we are working that out. We're doing mission differently these days. But we've all got a part to play in that as prayers, as senders, as people who go. Second of all, we're called to be a community of people. And right here in Bristol, part of what it means to be, belong to this church is that you're a kingdom community. And this is not an individualistic faith. But this is, as Tibbs has said, a community of people who are generous towards the things of God and towards the people God wants to reach, who are committed to one another and faithful in being community. And we want to express community. We do that in so many ways. That's why we have our midweek communities, our small communities. But that's why we gather to express community and say, you can belong to this community. You can be family with us. We can welcome you into the kingdom. And we want to keep making room for people to join our community, which does mean we need lots of people who are going to step up to be leaders of that community, to lead small groups and pastorates and all that kind of stuff and to help people find their way into the family of God. Third of all, we're going to be people who will be praying that prayer, your will be done, and let your spirit move through me. So we've got to be men and women who've laid down our ambitions, our self-protection, and said, not my will, but yours be, be done, God. Fill me with your spirit, and may your power flow through me to reach the world. That's what it means to pray the kingdom prayer. So don't pray it lightly. Pray it seriously. Take it on board. And maybe today and tomorrow say, God, today let your kingdom come through me. What is it that I need to lay down today? What opportunity are you going to give me today to pray, to act, to love, to see your kingdom breakouts? I'm going to give you an opportunity to, um, to serve uh, tonight. At the end of the service, we're going to have a chance to go back to worship prayer ministry. But you know, tomorrow's going to be a really hot day. And we've got our staff away day. We want to start early. And we normally come in and clean the church and put all the chairs away. It would help me tonight if we put the chairs away before we left. 
we could get an early start tomorrow. That's a really practical thing. Nothing to do with my sermon, really, but I just thought I'd say it anyway. <laughs> Can I pray? Just put your hand in there, wave at me if you want to see God's kingdom come. Put your hand up again if you think there's some areas of your life where there's more kingdom to, to break in, where there's bits that are resistant. Okay, we're going to just, I, I'm going to invite you, if you put your hand up, to stand with me. Father God, to, to this evening we want to have our eyes open, our hearts open to the things that you want to do to let your kingdom come. And God, for some of us, in some ways, it feels like letting go of something precious. But we want to choose to let go of the good in order to receive the best. Lord God, what you're offering us is like a pearl of great price. It's like a treasure. It's the treasure of knowing you and knowing you more than we yet do. It's the treasure of being offered eternal life. Not just in, in terms of not dying, but a quality of life that is dynamic and rich. So we want to say today, Lord God, let your kingdom come in me. Today I choose to lay down my stubborn, proud, self-centered thing. And my little idol that I've wanted to hold on to. And also the good thing that I've made too important. I choose to lay that down. I want to lay down my self-protection. I lay that down. I want to pray, Lord God, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come in me and through me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Um, we're just going to go back into worship, and as we do, that's going to be our chance to, in some ways, just engage with God, to say, yeah, just want to offer ourselves um, how we've just prayed that, of God's kingdom coming in our lives. So we're going to worship, but there's a number of us that are going to be available to pray. We love to pray for people here, and down at the front left, um, if you'd like someone to pray for you tonight, and maybe it is around that kingdom coming, maybe it is about...